Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ryan Atkinson, and you are on the Business Cloud, where we talk tech, marketing, entrepreneurship, and more to give you the insights and stories from today's best leaders for tomorrow's best leaders. We have a great episode coming up with Kartik Shoresh. Uh, it was a really fun conversation to talk about product market fit, entrepreneurship. Uh, he gives some great advice at the end on like best books he's read, entrepreneurial advice he would give. Um, I genuinely got like 5% smarter at this conversation. Uh, he is wickedly, wickedly smart. Um, and you're going to really love some of the metrics that he uses to how they decided to go from like their building stage to their growth stage. Um, that was a really, really fun conversation to have with him. And I know you're also going to get smarter by it because um, it was seriously so, so good. Uh, he's a product guy at heart, um, a go-to-market expert. Uh, so I'm super excited for this episode for you guys to give it a listen and definitely check out uh, Ignition, check out Karthik's um, LinkedIn's, Twitter's, check it all out. He was phenomenal. Super excited for this episode. So let's dive in and get on with it. So I want to welcome Karthik Shoresh to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. So, so excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. I got to ask an opening question. So I was listening to some of your former episodes. And one thing that took me back is you do like to travel a lot. Is that fair to say you're yeah. a big traveler? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do love to travel a lot and also have lived in so many different cities and in fact, continents, of course. So yeah, that's right. Perfect. Well, that's the question is, so you've traveled a lot, you live in a lot of different continents. Um, how, how have these experiences of traveling and living in different cultures shaped you as an entrepreneur and someone that's in business? Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess like for me, um, you know, growing, so I, I was born and brought up in India, um, in Bangalore, and I first moved to the States, uh, for education. Um, my first city in the U S was Pittsburgh. You know, I went to Carnegie Mellon there, um, and, uh, and then from there I, I was in New York and then after New York, I was in London and then now in San Francisco. So I've been fortunate to, uh, be in some of the largest, uh, and most diverse, uh, cities, uh, in the world and have, you know, kind of the melting pots, uh, in the world. And that, that I think, uh, shaped me in, in a lot of different ways. Um, the, the first thing is like, it really helps you empathize with the so mm -hmm. many different, uh, perspectives which people have, uh, people from different cultures, from countries. Um, it's it's very important to understand their perspectives and appreciate their culture. And that really helps you shape and build like really uh, more inclusive products. Uh, that's kind of how it has helped in my own career. Like when you think about like, you know, any certain feature or, you know, just as a product idea as a whole, you're not just building for one segment, you're just building it in such that it can be very inclusive in nature and can actually appeal to a wide uh, range of audience. Uh, that's one. And two, then you also appreciate um, the kind of needs and challenges which people from different countries and cultures have. Uh, it, it varies so widely based on where you live and you know <clears throat> where you come from, um, what industry you work in, and, uh, and especially like during my business school experience in London, um, that's we had people from like, I don't know, like 40 or 50 different nationalities. Um, so that really helped me not just like make friends on a personal level, go to their weddings and travel. That's <laughs> always been the fun part. But in addition, just to like 
uh, understand like all the different like expectations, needs, challenges, aspirations, goals. Uh, and, you know, it's it's funny. It's actually very, very different. And, um, you know, with, with people from different countries um, and getting to know that has really shaped the way I look at, like, for example, product development. Mm. That's super interesting. Is there one culture that like really sticks out to you that does business in like a very interesting way? Um, I've traveled overseas a few, a little bit, so I kind of get the feeling of it, but is there like one culture that really sticks out to you where it's like, I don't know why they do business that way, but that's just how they do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can just compare like the US and the UK because I I lived and studied in both places. Um, I guess um, the culture in the US, it's more, uh, I think, um, more upfront and it's more like people when you talk to people they're like hey I'm amazing at this I'm great at that I can you know I can kill this uh, you know you you got to hire me or you got to buy this product and in the UK it's more like you know even somebody who's like really accomplished person they'll be very like you know passive and uh, kind of modest um, it, and then it'd be really hard to find out like, oh, wow, you actually like, you are actually <laughs> awesome at this. <laughs> so there is this, uh, um, I think the, the whole, uh, very direct and straightforward way of, uh, you know, selling yourself or the product and, uh, from a, from a business perspective, which is being a very passive and a modest way of like, um, approaching business. Um, that was like a huge contrast, ah. uh, between both sides of the pond. That is super interesting. And now, yeah, so you've been doing business a lot in the US. Um, can you tell us what you do here in the US? You have some incredible backgrounds with that, with so many like co-founderships, yeah. um, advisory roles, even Facebook. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit more about your background as well? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, just to start from the beginning. So I have a tech background. Uh, I started my career in um, high frequency and algo trading space in New York. Um, so into prop trading and uh, I was at one of the firms I work for, uh, it's called Knight Capital. Uh, that's where, that was one of my earliest jobs. And uh, uh, unfortunately it's known for the one of the largest trading losses ever in the history of Wall Street. I think the company lost 400 million or something. So that was a great learning experience. I felt like I was like directly like, you know, <laughs> dropped into some kind of a, a crazy ecosystem where I had to learn um, by failures, um, which really shaped my way I approach risk uh, in career as general. Uh, after New York, I went to uh, the business school in London and uh, I want two reasons. One, I want to understand, I want to travel around Europe and I want to understand the European culture and at the same time, you know, um, focus on, on, on tech as a career. So after business school, I very f- initially co-founded a company in alternative lending uh, in fintech space, uh, but that did not do well. Um, so that was my first, another experience, a very, very good learning experience. Then joined another startup called Craft, uh, which is an enterprise intelligence startup as a second employee. And cool. I was there to series A, helping them build operations, product engineering teams. You know, you wear kind of all kinds of hats when you're early, when you're early in a company. <laughs> um, that's where I kind of learned a lot of my, you know, the, the startup the entrepreneurship skills, if you may say that. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, now I've, I've been through startups a couple of times. I want to see what it is like to be a work at a large company. So that's when I joined Facebook as a PM. Uh, I was a PM on the Facebook app and then also on all the early growth PMs on the Facebook reality labs. 
you know, so, which uh, <laughs> which now is like super famous because because the whole company has changed its name to Meta, uh, <laughs> and it's it's completely driven by the Reality Labs division. Um, so I was I was you know, had a front row seat there, so I was very fortunate to do that. And while I was at Facebook, um, I joined this community called On Deck, um, which is basically a community of uh, people looking to start companies. Uh, there's this founder fellowship. And that's where I met my co-founder, Derek, who used to mm -hmm. like head marketing at Rippling. Um, we started like brainstorming various ideas because I, for me, Facebook was more like a pitch stop, you know, just to like understand how they work in a large company and, and never um, my intention to stay there for a long time. Um, for me, I always wanted to be an entrepreneurship side. So I was exploring ideas and um, with Derek. And one of the things which became obvious is there's so many tools to help engineers and product managers, but not uh, not a lot of tools on the go-to-market side. Or when the mm. product is built, how do you take the product to market? Um, and that's how Ignition was born. Nice. It sounds like a lot of it comes, not to like say this, but like a lot of it came from failures. A lot of your learnings came from failures. Um, can you talk about the importance of learning from failures and what you really did or how you reflected on failures and did learn from those? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, failures, I look at failures more as like learning opportunities. Um, and uh, you you do go through a certain certain amount of learnings um, yeah. before you actually find success, uh, whether in personal life or professional life or in pretty much any any field you choose. Um, and I think the the I, th I think the biggest learning for me is like you don't learn entrepreneurship in, in, in a class or in a product or, or like in a course or in, in a university. It just doesn't work that way. You just, you definitely got to get your hands dirty. You need to go through that process, you know, whether you're building a product or you're starting a company, you need to go through that or work closely with someone who is actually going through that process. And then no matter how many number of books you read <laughs> or classes you take, it's not the same thing as just going through the process. And that's what I tell people. It's like, hey, yeah, like, uh, I'm like, why do you want to work for a startup? It's like, oh yeah, I, I took this entrepreneurship course at my school and I loved it. I'm like, but that's not real life. <laughs> and so one of the biggest um, uh, learnings for me going through these various failures is like, uh, it is a, it's, a, it's actually like almost like an apprenticeship type, uh, type kind of a journey where you actually like have to go to the journey, understand what works, what doesn't work, you know, how to understand your uh, the user needs, how to understand which one they're actually going to pay pay for, you know, what's what problem is a painkiller, not just like a vitamin, and then how do you validate all the solutions? Uh, how do you come up with a business model? How do you understand how large the market is? How do you raise money for your business? How do you recruit people? There's so many different aspects, and you just got to go through this yourself before you can figure things out. Yeah, and even if you so let's just say like even for someone that's like my age, like young 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 20 something let's just say like what's a business that they could do to get like, really start getting their hands dirty on entrepreneurship maybe it's not a SaaS product but what would be like a recommendation like you would have yeah so i'm i'm very um tech driven <laughs> so uh i'm, I'm going to be my answers are going to be biased so take it with a grain of salt uh i still think the, the fastest way to learn is still like uh, build some kind of a tech product uh, uh -huh. because it doesn't take a it's not capital intensive it's not labor intensive uh it's something which you know especially you know you can quickly uh, also take some coding classes uh and uh, you know just go after any anything you're passionate about i just saw something on product hunt today which is like a product to download all the 
public content of uh, Instagram influencer, right? It's like, uh, I don't know why people do that. I'm sure people have good reasons to do that. But like, I'm just saying it's just such a simple idea and you just do something like that and you know like a, or a directory of podcasts whatever you think um is like take a very simple idea uh, and then ask ask your friends ask your literally your own network see if that's something they would you know find value in and just go build that um and even if it's a free tool or it in a lot of the um you know a lot of the really amazing products out there today ha- was built as like a side project or a side hustle yeah and i mean google has this whole concept of um 20% i think of your time you can build your own products and that's how like everything from gmail to like um a lot of those products were born so i think the best way to go about is like just pick an idea you're passionate about, whether you know it's be on the consumer facing side, business facing side, doesn't matter, and uh, and then and then and then build uh, like a, like a tech product. I mean, basically a website, a simple website uh, to help with that, and then you know and then test it out with your friends and network, and that's the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Would you say that is the first step? Then is like once you get the idea, ask your friends: Is this useful to you? Or go to this customer space that you think would be useful to, and say, "Is it useful?" And you get that feedback that it is. Then it's build the website and really start to launch this thing. Yeah, yeah. the The customer research is probably like really important, um, and uh, and also a lot of the times your friends might be lying to you because they don't want to make you feel bad. So even if <laughs> It's not something they really will use. They'll be like, oh, oh my God, that's so cool. You got to build it. I'm definitely going to use it. And then when you actually end up building it, they'll probably log in once and that's it, never use it. So <laughs> you really got to differentiate like, you know, the social kind of uh, signals where people are just telling you that, oh yeah, it's an amazing idea just because your friend, you're the friend or family versus like, oh no, this is a real need for me. So it should probably be a mixture of the, the people you talk to should be a mixture of your own uh, friends and family for sure, but also like somebody you don't know, uh, somebody you can you know like reach out in LinkedIn or like some kind of a network where you can uh, ask them as a favor to you know talk through uh, some problem you're working on, and and then you shouldn't just get a yes, I will use it or you know <laughs> yeah there's something great you, you should definitely get a hell yeah, it's like hell oh yeah. my god like. I absolutely need it today. Like, when can I put down my credit card? Like, I mean, this is if you want to build like not a hobby project, but like a serious business yeah. and where you can invest money. And uh, um, I would actually like look for those signals uh, there because you, you will very rarely get no. Nobody's going to say like, oh no, that's a bad idea. I mean, some people are direct, but in general, I, I feel like people are like always nice. So they will be like, oh yeah, that seems cool. Oh yeah, sure, I'll try it out. But like, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, so you you got to get like, there's no there's no no, there's yes and there's hell yeah. So you need to get that. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You have to get the hell yes. Um, and of course, I mean, we're going for like the whole like product life life cycle stage here. I mean, an unexpected challenge. I mean, what's been an unexpected challenge when you've been building like Ignition or any of your other um, startups where it's like. Like, oh my gosh, like it kind of rocks you back. It's like, I did not expect that. Is Does there one that comes to mind or one that people should anticipate? Yeah, so a lot of the times, like um, one thing which is common among, at least like on my previous couple of startups um, is like, it's almost never the very first idea you, be, you, you began yeah. working on is the one which like takes off. Uh, 
you've <laughs> got to have an open mind you've got to keep iterating you've got to listen to your customers and keep iterating on the product so you know the whole journey of finding product market fit right so it's it's never i've never like it's never the first idea i mean it's probably a version of the idea I mean, it's not like you're changing your entire industries or demographics, but, you know, for example, at my previous company, Kraft, we started selling a data product to our hedge funds uh, to help them like find signals on which companies to buy. Uh, but where, where Kraft is right now is it's a supply chain management software where they help suppliers do due diligence. Um, I mean, the, the, the supply, supply chain management teams do due diligence on suppliers. So it's a similar idea, but that, that's what took off and, and that's what made them successful, right? So that's one example. And it's just like, it's never the very first idea. So you definitely got to keep an open mind and be able to iterate and keep listening to customer feedback. And the only way to fail is to give up. So yeah. as long as you're persistent and then oh, keep yeah. iterating, uh, you know, I think you'll make it. Yeah. I really, really like that. And it sounds like the importance of like pivoting is like a huge concept of like in your life, because it sounds like that's what essentially what crafted is they pivoted. Uh, it was their first idea, but it was to, to a different segment. Pretty much every, I, I know like at least like I'm just, I can think of at least 10 companies on top of my mind. And the very first idea they started with is not the idea which they are successful with. I mean, it, it is, it is a version uh, it is related. It's not like, you know, they started with social network and they are now selling enterprise software, but it's still like, you know, it probably they're in marketing tech or like lead generation, which close, but it is never the idea. Uh, it takes because, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, because when you start going into the market, you learn so many things which you didn't know before building yeah. the product and you need to take all that, absorb those feedback and then build it into your product, which will then actually make it succeed. Yeah. I love that. So you have, as you guys can tell, he, you have like phenomenal experience. Like you have great experience. You're very knowledgeable about it. So how did this lead up to Ignition? How was Ignition founded? What is Ignition? You talked about a little bit before, but can you talk a little bit more about Ignition, how the idea started and what you provide? Yeah. So I was, I was at Facebook and we were launching uh, one of the, 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 the devices um, from Facebook and I was going to the launch process as a PM and I was like, oh my God, this is such a nightmare <laughs> because they had a spreadsheet, um, like a Google sheet, which had like a hundred sheets or a hundred tabs. Mm -hmm. And there was a tab to keep track of other tabs. Um, they're trying to understand like, you know, when you go through a typical launch process, you need to first identify who's your ideal customer persona and who's your target audience. You need to then come up with a specific messaging for them. You need to understand how do you position your product? Uh, what marketing channels are you going to use to reach that product um, and then work with designers to generate marketing assets and then on the get approvals from the executives approvals from the legal team and like make sure the engineership on time it's a huge cross-functional problem um, and uh, especially in a company like Facebook it's it's so hard to like um, make sure everyone is kind of, you know, walking in parallel and we can get to the finish line together at the same time. And that's what I thought, like, there was no real tool to help you do that other than like a spreadsheet. And that's what started me, you know, started uh, my whole thought process around, like, we need to build a tool to better manage the product launches. Mm -hmm. And um, my co-founder, Derek, he had a very similar experience. He's been a career product marketer. He has been at PlayStation and then, and then like a VC and then he was at a startup. So he's, he's been all over the place and he saw the same problem at every single company that there are really good processes to build a product, but there are no good processes to launch a product into the market. 
And that's what Ignition is about. So Ignition is like um, basically a one central platform where you can manage all your go-to-market plans and collaborate mm. with your stakeholders. Um, and, you know, we'll also have additional modules on top of the basic launch plans, such as you can do competitive analysis, you can do user research, we talked about, uh, you can measure measure the success. Eventually, where we want to be is like, we want to have an entire product lifecycle management platform. So nice. everything from, you know, you research a user, research the market, then build the product, launch the product, measure the success, and then repeat. So <laughs> we won't have this whole process being able to be done in like one single platform. And that's kind of what Ignition is about. That is really cool. And so we're kind of throwing on some lingo here, like go to market. Can What is go to market? If someone doesn't know, like how would you describe a go to market? Yeah, it's, it's literally like the, it's, it's, it's literally the process of, um, ta- you know, basically literally the ta- process of taking the product you just built Mm-hmm. to to the hands of the customer right like how do you find these customers where are these users where do they hang out like how do you get to them right mm-hmm. um for example like say uh, uh right. these people hang out in, in reddit forums right okay. i'm just saying so then you your persona would be this user and then your your marketing channel would be reddit and you you will target your position also how do you position the product right how do you position it such that um, you know, for example, like for Ignition, when we think about positioning Ignition, they're like project management tools, there's documentation tools, there's spreadsheet tools. So how do, where does Ignition fall in this whole kind of a category? So how do you position it? How do you message it? So the, the whole idea behind go-to-market is like, how do you, how do you get the product you just built into the hands of the users who are going to find the most value from the product? Mm, I love that. And so how did you go about finding your very first customer? Yeah, so the very first customer um, for us, luckily we have a pretty good network between me and my co-founder. So since I've been in the Bay Area for quite a while and my co-founder as well, so we have a lot of like friends in in various companies and uh, the very first customers were us asking them to do us a favor, to give it a shot, to give us feedback, you know, just calling in favors. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think that helped us a lot. Um, and so that, that's how we found the very first customers. And also our investors um, also gave us intros to, um, you know, some, some of the, their friends. Like, so basically our network was a source of the very first set of customers. Um, but then now we are moving to a growth phase. So we're scaling uh, the user acquisition. So you, you're using various other channels, like for example, like, you know, the outbound emails, uh, we just started running Google ads. So there's various other ways and we're trying to see if uh, we can um, go to certain events where their product marketers hang out. Um, so it's a bunch of things we're trying to do to scale, but the very first users were all from our network. Yeah, that's actually a question just popped in my mind. How do you know when to go from like from like building to like really growing? Like, how do you know that when you're building a product? Yeah, so for me, the number one uh, metric I look at is retention. Mm. So for me, product market fit equals retention. Uh, so there's a few ways you look at retention. Uh, for me, I, I really like 90-day retention, like uh, basically eight-week retention. So, and then you divide all the people who signed up into cohorts. The cohorts could be weekly cohorts. It it really depends on what kind of a product you have. For example, if you have a consumer product, then you want to see daily usage. If you have an enterprise product, then maybe weekly usage is fine. Mm. So one example is like, you know, you have a weekly retention. So you say, 
uh, all the people who signed up in the first week of August, second week of August, third week of August. So there are different cohorts and you see where they are eight weeks after. Are they still using the product? What percentage of the people who signed up in the first week of August are still using your product end of October? And then let's say that's like 20 to 30%. Then I feel like, okay, great. Like you have a healthy retention. Again, the retention numbers varies for different types. For consumer products, you want it to be way higher. For consumer subscription, you really want it to be like 70%. For enterprise products, you really need to be like 80, 90%. So it just really depends on the type of the product, but the retention is a metric to watch. And once you know that the retention numbers are pretty healthy, that's when you know, okay, now I got to scale. I can, like, if I have 10 users, um, uh, basically who are using our product right now, and uh, that's like 20% of the users who signed up nine weeks, eight weeks ago, then great. I'm sure I can find like another hundred users, a thousand users and start scaling. Yeah. Well, what is that retention really? What's the underlying basis? Does it mean that you have a great, a great like UX or like, what is it really, what does retention really mean? Like they really like your UX, they're getting a lot of value out of their product. What does it mean like for you? Yeah. Retention simply means they're coming back to use your product on a certain frequency. So either they are coming back to use your product on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And how you define use depends on your product. Like in our in our uh, case for Ignition, the way we define usage would be somebody coming in to either create or view an existing launch plan mm-hmm. they've created for a product, right? If they log in to see the launch plan, then we count that as a one like a usage. And if they keep doing that week over week, then we, we, we call them a retained user. And if we see that this user is retained for eight plus weeks, then we know that we have good product market fit. Mm. And so that's when it's like, okay, our percentage is at a certain point. So we're going to start really growing this thing and start trying to acquire new users through Google ads or anything like yeah. that. Exactly. And in fact, that's, one, that's a really good question you raised because one of the reasons uh, companies fail is because they prematurely try to scale the product. Mm. even when they don't have product market fit. In these cases, what it hap- what happens is it leads to a leaky bucket. So what it means, if there's no retention, then you spend a bunch of money on marketing, like you know Google ads or whatever, and then you acquire a bunch of users, but they all churn in three, four ah. weeks. So you just keep money and you just keep acquiring users. So it looks like the funnel is great. Like it looks like people are signing up and using it, but in three, four weeks, they're all gone. So like, and then by end of six months to a year, you're out of money and your product is nowhere, right? So that's why retention is so important. Ah, that's super interesting. So you're going to start getting to the point where the funnel really starts to open up. You're acquiring more users, um, but you've proven in the past that you have a really good retention rate. So you know, know you're going to keep growing. Yeah, you, you prove that the users are sticky. So they'll keep coming back to use your product and not churn. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's really good. I feel like I just got like 5% smarter from that conversation. So thank you very much for that. That was very insightful. <laughs> yeah, of course. Ho- hopefully it's not too technical, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. Um, and we are running down here. Um, I just want to ask a few questions, just personal questions. Um, so has there been a most, what book or what podcast or even movie has been like most influential in like your, your career? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I was just reading this book recently called Build by Tony Fidel. I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. uh, amazing book. I would highly recommend. Um, while growing up, I mean, while in early in my career, I, I read a couple of books by Nassim Taleb, like Fooled by Randomness yep. um, and Black Swan. And those had like really lasting impacts on the way I approach life in general. In fact, one of the 
what one of the advice or one of the you know wish I had done before, um, especially on the advice I have for you know uh, young twenty year olds is like, go take risk, mm. uh, get out of your comfort zone, and that's so important. Um, you know your your life is short, mm-hmm. and and then the career is shorter. And the amount of time in your career when you can actually take risk, you know, when you don't have family, when you don't have responsibilities yep. and commitments, is even shorter. So you got to go out there, got to go experiment. Don't just, you know, get a cushy job and become comfortable. You know, take risks, explore life. And I think for me, that's a way to live. Nice. And we'll end on that. That's a very beautiful note. Uh, that's what everyone always says to young 20 years. Take risk, high rewards, um, low risk, honestly, a little bit with it, with her so young. So you are phenomenal. I am so thankful we got you on that. Was, I'm not even kidding. I got way smarter for that conversation. Uh, so thank you so, so much for joining us. You were great, Karthik. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Yeah. I totally it. forgot our last question. Where can people yes. find you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Where can people find, <laughs> you? find you on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on your website? I'm so sorry. That's our last question. <laughs> yes. Uh, our website is haveignition.com. It's H-A-V-E-I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N.com. So it's just haveignition.com. And my, you know, uh, LinkedIn is Karthik Suresh LBS and my Twitter handle is just my first name, last name is Karthik Suresh. So feel free to connect with me in either of the networks and uh, yeah, appreciate, you know, you checking out the site. Perfect. Yes. Everyone, those links will be down below. You were seriously so, so phenomenal. Got a lot smarter of this conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. So, so excited for this episode. Thanks Ryan. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Let me, let me pause.